This is The Shift Podcast. Coming up on The Shift Daily Podcast, Paul Brandt was on The Shift. We chat about his new fishing documentary. We talk about his career, his passions, his love for Alberta, and his love for Canada as a guy whose grandparents migrated here. It's an amazing story about his grandparents. It's coming up on The Shift Daily Podcast. Blaine Kylo talks tech. That's right. We get into the technological world. We talk about Facebook, Donald Trump, plus new laptops that are mega modern, and baby Yoda for your Google dot thing. If you got the smart ball at home. Plus, are you okay with a man throwing his colostomy bag at cops? Hey, and it all can't be classy. There's got to be some stuff that's not classy. It's the shift. Are you okay? Are you okay with Kid Rock? No, I've never oh. been. Never. Oh. No. Never. I, do you want to know why? My number mm. one, I mean, I'll, I think he's one of those people where his career is falling, so he needs to be edgy online to get attention. So mm. that bothers me. But the main thing is that song he did, I don't even remember who he did it with, the picture one. You know, I put you Cheryl Crow, away. right? Yeah, yeah. Cheryl Crow. Now that I have said that out loud, that song will be stuck in my head for the next three weeks. It's it's a curse, and it I've just brought it upon myself. So no, oh, really, no kid. I liked Ba with a Ba back in the day, no. Sudbury, Ontario, rocking out in the summertime to Ba with a Ba. But that was also that like metal feel thing, right? Because there was that, and there was Rob Zombie and Power Man Five Thousand. I mean, that was like the trend. Well, I don't know. I can't put Rob Zombie and Kid Rock in the same category. Kid Rock is kind of well, like trashy, yeah. and Rob well, Zombie—he's he's Waffle House yeah, fist fights. Like he's yeah. Waffle House fist fights. Rob Zombie is an executive <laughs> producer for horror movies. Yeah, right? yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. But in the era, I—I I didn't mean to put them in the same category and offend mm, your musical heart. Well. I was I was more speaking to the fact that in that era, it was kind of the sound that was really got him going. What got him going, right? Well, I've tried to let go a lot of my musical snobbery, um, mm. so I am accepting of just about any type of music that anyone brings to me, and I don't judge any taste. But Kid Rock is the line. I judge that one. That yep. I just I can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't. Okay, wait. Before we go there, then what if I say Nookie? That well, yeah. See, that's also the line too. And you know, um, one of my biggest regrets in life, and I was only like seventeen or eighteen, was buying Chocolate Starfish the CD. That was I could even tell as a seventeen-year-old that was bad. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting because when you look at that, that's sort of one kind of created the next, right? And then we ended up with Lib Biscuit and Fred Durst and that whole thing. And which, by the way, if you look online, he still wears a red hat backwards, and. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's really kind of what it all created. And just this past weekend I was golfing and, um, my buddy Chris pulls up in his cart. He's like, do you mind if I play music? And I was like, no problem. And it doesn't bother me. He pulls up and then we're, we're golfing and we're trying to putt and the music's playing out of the golf cart. It is Limp Bizkit and Nookie. And I said, gotta tell you, Chris, never golfed to Limp Bizkit before. Oh, <laughs> so, no. That whole new experience. <laughs> doesn't seem like it would fit the mood. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, it was very interesting. Okay. Anyway, the original question was Kid Rock. Waffle houses? Yes, Kid Rock, not so much. Kid Rock in a Waffle House? I'd be curious to see what that looks like. Some people are really not okay with Kid Rock. This is a clip from Nikki Smith. I'm the most unpolitically correct person you'll meet, and I'm very, very proud of that. When you pit a liberal TV star against a conservative country music singer, there's bound to be fireworks. After Kid Rock called The View's Joy Behar the B-word during an appearance on Fox and Friends in 2018, the two found themselves embroiled in a nasty feud. Love everybody except... I'd say screw that Joey Behar. Everybody. <laughs> Once Behar heard the news, she delivered an epic clapback on her show. What I can say is this and these will be happy to have you on the show and have a beer. <laughs> of course, this beef didn't appear out of thin air. It all started when Behar ripped a picture of Kid Rock posing alongside Sarah Palin and Ted Nugent at the White House and said via Esquire, Is this the saddest day in the history of the White House since the British burned it to the ground in 1814? Oof. Well, there are many people who disagree and, see, disagree and say that over the last four years, no, that's not the saddest day. But hmm. who knows? Um, so changes the scales of life. I would like to offer Kid Rock one particular thing, though, if I could. 
that would be shampoo. Probably a good idea. I think, yeah. I think that everything would change if you just had maybe a new shampoo or just a shampoo. Anyway, it seems some people are not okay with his bar in Nashville, Tennessee. According to NBC News 4 Nashville, sorry, NBC News 4 Nashville, police arrested a man on multiple charges, including assaulting two police officers after he took off his colostomy bag. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh. After he took off his colostomy bag and swung it around to strike the officers. Shane, you got to pre-read happened. this stuff. This is a real thing? This is a guy this is did a this? a real thing. Oh, man. Police said Nicholas Newhart, identified as John Doe, in court documents was drunk and holding a bottle of beer, blocking the outside emergency exit to the door at Kid Rock's at 221 Broadway. Kid Rock security told the defendant to leave the outside door area. He refused to go. Security flagged down police to assist in getting Newhart to leave. Newhart took out his colostomy bag from the, quote, inside of his front pants area and started to swing the bag, hitting two of the officers with his colostomy bag, I'm going to say, contents. Police said Newhart was very drunk and taken into custody without any further incident. Obviously, he was very, 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 very drunk. He has been charged with assault on the two Metro police officers, disorderly conduct, and public intoxication. Why? Why? There should be a whole nother charge there just for that. Hitting someone with a colostomy bag. Well, I guess if they got sick, that could be a thing. I just um, think, in general, that's got to be the, one of the most awful things that officer has ever... Like, I'm sure the officers in Nashville have had to deal with drunk people at a bar before, but mm-hmm. those two cops, when they got back to the police station, and yeah. they just look at the captain and go, you will not believe the night we have had. Yeah, right? How was your day? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't want to know. Okay, um, let's get a uh, out-of-context clip for you to hear. I remember the day when it all started, seeing this really strange thing. A lot of people say an octopus is like an alien. Strange thing is, as you get closer to them, you realize that you're very similar in a lot of ways. It's a hard thing to explain, but sometimes you just get a feeling and you know there's something to this creature that's very unusual. Yeah, it has eight arms. It's unusual. It also can fit through a tiny little hole because it's slimy. And never in my life have I ever gone, I feel like I'm an octopus. I don't feel like I have that in common with an octopus. Anyway, uh, fantastic voice. Absolutely. And I feel, truly feel your passion and love for the octopus. I truly do. My understanding is this is a, are you okay with octopi? Again, because you talked about this a little bit last night on the shift when I was off. Mm-hmm. Well, so we didn't so, talk about this specific thing, but we talked about right. a giant octopus statue on the show last night. So, okay. but I found this clip and I thought, this is also a great Are You Okay? And I want to okay. talk about octopuses again, or octopi. <laughs> it's funny when you say that. I'm 13. Um, how about a movie about an octopus? Oh, is boy, going even very, very ri- viral. <laughs> pardon me? Uh, sorry, pardon. Yeah, it turns out... Sorry. <laughs> I'll just go out of the blue. It's the Disco Octopus. <laughs> little hook for what's coming up later in the shift, I can tell you that much. Um. Anyway, tell you what. I've completely derailed this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well done all right see if you then, had if you had eight arms that would have went much better you could have used those eight oh, arms there i could have yeah. used all eight arms thank you very much all right so thanks to the oscars a movie about an octopus is going very very viral i blame the typo let's yep. get into it 
Release the Kraken. My octopus teacher is a, you're going to be sick of that, by the way, at this time next year after the new hockey team. That's for sure. My Octopus Teacher is a 2020 Netflix original documentary film documented by Pippa Ehrlich and James Reed, which documents a year spent by filmmaker Craig Foster foraging a relationship with a wild common octopus in a South African kelp forest. That's really a thing. All right. So they meet a curious young octopus. They get his attention. Then they keep visiting the octopus. They track the octopus. And then they win the animal's trust and they become friends and then they hang out and they high five like eight times. And, uh, and that's how it goes. So they get to see because the octopus trusts them how the octopus sleeps and lives and they call her she. And I don't know how that is, how you tell an octopus from an octopus. Oh, she lays um, in the film. What well, do maybe boy octopuses do that? No? Whoa. I don't I know. know. <laughs> They're slimy. They have eight legs. Wouldn't surprise me. Foster describes the impact of his relationship with the octopus on his life. Now, don't want to spoil the ending here, uh, but the pair get pretty chummy. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Okay. I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good, too. So he describes the effect of his mentorship, relationship with the octopus, and this is a documentary. Um... And I'm assuming you got paid for it. It won Best Documentary at the Oscars. Okay, so we really got paid for it. Yeah. So next time you're thinking about looking at Indeed or whatever to find yourself a new job, just ask yourself, should I make friends with an octopus? That's a good question. I blame the typo. I mean, when it's typos and octopi. And uh, all of the weird things. I admire that. Um, reminds me of Steve Irwin, except he didn't make friends with the animals. He basically scared them and then ran away, right? Like, mm. but sometimes he would scratch their bellies. That was kind of cool. I don't know, man. I just feel like if an octopus is going to grab you, there's probably no chance of getting away. I'm guessing. But then again, I didn't hang friend hang out with an octopus. <sighs> I think you should that try. Got weird. You mm-hmm. should just go find one and try it and see if it works. Because if it can happen right. to the guy with the cool voice, mm-hmm. it can happen to you. you I would like to make to friends faith. with an ele- elephant. That's what I'd like to make friends with. Oh, I'd like to make sweet. friends with an elephant. And there was a picture meme that was online of there's a guy sleeping on an ostrich. And I, I would, I mean, I think they would be fluffy. That would be nice too. All right. Chummy was very good. Are you okay? Are you okay with flying? Um, I'm okay with like about three hours worth. Anything more than that, it's just too much. That's a that's a good threshold. Three I, hours, I, unless I'm yeah. going somewhere exciting. If I'm going somewhere mm. really cool, I don't mind the eight hour, ten mm. hour, whatever. But I, I've only ever mm. done that once. <laughs> so, Los Angeles but, to 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 um, where did I end up? I ended up in Melbourne. So Los Angeles to New Zealand to Melbourne. It was like 13 hours. You leave at night and you get there in the morning so you can't even go to sleep because you want to sync up to their, their daytime. You leave on Tuesday right. night. I'm not okay with that. We got to find a better way. We got to beam people like Star Trek. That's rough. I think you need I think you need a four-hour threshold, though, really to get anywhere in North America because really you can get most places in four hours Yeah, for the most part. All right. A passenger on a flight in New York was very, 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 wow, there's a lot of varies in the show, unhappy Mm -hmm. this week. Just four months into 2021, incidents so far of air passengers that federal regulators describe as unruly has increased exponentially from what the Federal Aviation Administration sees in a typical year, in a non-typical year. That's what an FAA spokesperson told the New York Daily News Monday, so when it comes to air travel, remains below typical numbers because of the COVID. Woman was was woman was restrained by. <laughs> wow, that's that. Hey. That is how important the letter A can be in a sentence. Yeah, that's wow. a typo. Woman was restrained by an off-duty police officer on a flight after she reportedly attacked flight attendants for not picking up her garbage. Before you hear what happened next, here's an update on travel restrictions from the U.S. and NBC. 
The Federal Aviation Administration is tightening up how it deals with unruly passengers, announcing in an order that warnings would no longer be issued to passengers who commit unruly acts, reports The Hill. The news comes as the FAA says it's seen a disturbing increase in incidents where airline passengers have disrupted flights with threatening or violent behavior, according to the Associated Press. The Associated Press further states that these unruly outbursts are due to people refusing to wear masks and connected to recent and violent riots that took place at the U.S. Capitol. FAA Administrator Stephen Dixon adds that passengers face fines up to $35,000 and jail time if they physically assault or verbally threaten airline crews or other travelers. First strike and you're out. Wow, okay. Um, First of all, if you ever want to get police to intervene in your life, this is what you say. Because this is what woman told officials. Cops aren't going to do anything to me. Welcome to things being done to you. So American Airlines said Sunday uh, she left her seat, attacked a flight attendant, punching the crew member to the floor. The complaint reportedly said passenger 28, then punched a second flight attendant who tried to intervene. So they're seeking total fines of $63,000, three unruly passengers, disrupting flights, drank their own alcohol. don't know how you get alcohol through security. Maybe... Maybe through um, yeah. duty free um, alcohol that was not provided by the airline. Dislocated flight attendants instructions. Two of the passengers were accused of assaulting members of the flight crew. Man, that's crazy. Okay, um, don't do that. In case you're wondering, in case you forgot the rules of flying because it's been so long. This is the Shift Podcast. I've always loved to travel, and music has allowed me to see much of the world. But a musician's life has one constant, change. From day to day, it's a new city, a new venue, a new crowd. But with time away comes clarity, and being on the road has revealed something to me that I've probably always known, but hadn't formalized in my mind, that my heart is here. Those sounds are from a fly fishing documentary, a short documentary film. And that beautiful voice is the voice of Paul Brandt. Here in The Shift, we'd like to find out what great Canadians are up to. How about influential Canadians? Paul Brandt, how does it feel to be called influential? <laughs> wow. I get, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've heard, uh, I've heard influencer. Uh, I don't know if, if just because you're an influencer, does that mean you're influential? I'm not sure. I don't know. That... That's actually could be a very, very deep question we could dig into. <laughs> um, thanks for spending some time with us, Paul. It's nice to see your face. Um, oh, thank I do you. appreciate you being here. Yeah. No, this is fun. You, uh, you've, been, you've been kind of quietly busy in the background. Um, now, not that I'm aware of. No new music in the last little bit, at least that's targeted at the masses. But I'm assuming as a music guy, Paul, like that probably doesn't stop for you, does it? It, you know, it's constant. Like it's, it's one of those things where you keep the notepad or the, uh, the iPhone right next to the bed and wherever you are and melodies or ideas will pop in and, and you just make sure you get them down while they come. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I've not, um, I've not been great at being, um, Oh, what's the word? Like a, a craftsman when it comes to songs where you just, you show up every day and you do it. I've, I've tended to, um, be more of a, um, well, I guess, more focused on assignment. Um, so, and, and this is, this has kind of come about because of the way that my career has gone. I mean, when I left the major record company and started my own record label, I had to, you know, in essence, wear a lot of hats. I, I had to be the manager and the label and the artist. And uh, so I'd, I'd always kind of flip this switch in my head where it would be like, um, you know, okay, right now I get to be the guy who burns the candle and stays up late and comes up with ideas and uh, is very, like introverted, reads a lot of books, gets that creative process going. And then once the songs are finished and I give myself a month to do that, then I have to flip the switch and turn into the guy who's out there promoting it all and, and the guy on stage that everybody sees. And uh, and so, you know, this this COVID period of, you know, being behind the scenes a little bit more where we can't get on stage, mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of time to kind of, you know, build up um, – build up ideas and concepts and there's a lot of that stuff going on uh here in the studio right now how does that feel to 
Like, does your brain short circuit when you go from left side to right side or how are you managing that? It is challenging. Yeah, it is really, really hard. And I find like I kind of have to fight back and forth, you know, between the two. Um, I think if I had to make my like if I was one or the other, I'm probably more on on the creative side. Um, But uh, I like to challenge myself to kind of have a foot in both uh, both worlds. It is hard. And I find that when you have something that comes up as a business owner, whether it's an idea or an accounting note, like something as simple as that, the the notebook here is like the key, right? I carry yeah, two my, notebooks now. <laughs> my problem is I have notebooks everywhere. Like, everywhere. I mean, like, uh, it's just, it's, you know, that's the creative side of it. My <laughs> wife, my, you know, totally right. My, my wife, uh, her, she went to, um, to university of Calgary and her degree uh, that she got there was uh, was in pure mathematics. So oh, she's wow. super super binary and very organized and like like this is how she lives her life and and we complement each other really well. But I'll never forget when we got married and we got our apartment in Nashville and she moved in and opened the cutlery drawer and like pages and pages of notes and songs came out of the cutlery drawer. She's like, okay, this is it. You're like, this you're is not cut gonna off. work. This is not gonna work. So yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep my uh, my my blue book. My word for 2021 is momentum. So I've got my blue book with momentum on it, and that's where I write, whether it's a poem or a thought or a notion. And then there's these ugly gray books, which are the everything from to-do lists to interview questions. It's it's the most mind. But I actually recommend it to people to actually write it down, yeah. no matter what it is. And um, Forrest Black said to me, he said, you know, when you Sometimes when you write it, it or no, excuse me, that wasn't Forrest Black. That was um, Joey Kidney, the poet from Ottawa. He okay. said to me, he said, just because you write it down doesn't mean it's not going to help somebody else, right? Like you might not think it's the great, the best, right? But it doesn't mean it's not going to affect somebody else. So even if it's a thought and it's like, go fishing today, just write it down. You never know where it's going to go. Totally. You never know what it's going to become. And totally. Yeah. And so I love that. Um, using that as a launching point here, um, you have I like been fishing. That. I like that segue. I like that. That was, I wasn't intended. I wish I could say I did that on purpose. <laughs> um, you, you have been fishing, Paul Brandt. And I mean, we all learned on the TV that you're a fan of pickup trucks. Um, <laughs> but you, you've, you've got something new, which is really interesting. And I thought for all of the shift heads who listen to the show might be kind of curious about Paul Brandt's Alberta fly fishing documentary yeah. that came out last month. Tell us about yeah. it. Well, you know, it, this, this kind of started a couple years ago, uh, talking with tours in Calgary about how can we, um, really like position Alberta or Calgary for what it is as a launch pad for all these incredible fishing adventures. I mean, we have the number three rated fishing stream in the world that flows really? right through downtown Calgary with the Bow no River. Way. And most people here don't even realize that. I, I mean, it, that. it is like Mecca. I mean, you know, presidents and, you know, business leaders from around the world put this on their bucket list to come to Calgary to go fishing the South Bow. And so that's, that's a big deal. And we wanted to get that word out there, but then there's also all these awesome, like just little side trips you can take within, you know, sometimes less than an hour from Calgary to get to some uh, very, very pristine areas. And so we started talking about that and, you know, in my, in my kind of tangential way, I I've always wanted to to try and have some kind of a, whether it's a, a podcast or documentary series or lifestyle brand around promoting the idea of perseverance. I, I, love, I love stories of perseverance and stories of, of uh, overcoming. And so that's where the title for this came from in Beauty of Pursuit, um, where you know, there's this beauty in just kind of showing up and continuing on and in the face of adversity, just keep on pressing through. And so um, my first guest um, in this first episode, we'll see if it turns into something else for Beauty of Pursuit, he actually um, is, is an instructor over at SAIT. I had been doing a side project with some of the students at SAIT, and uh, he's a four-time cancer survivor. And, uh, and I was just really inspired by his, his, um, uh, just his direction in life and the, and the way that he kind of uh, you know, dealt with the, the, the cancer diagnosis. And we, we ended up gathering a lot of that. It didn't make it into this, this short that we did um, for Tourism Calgary, but I do have that content. So I could see building on top of that. But what you see on YouTube right now, the beauty of pursuit um, in the form that it's in right now is a bit of an abbreviated form of, uh, of just the wonders of, of fly fishing in Alberta and the things that um, 
just the themes that it brings out. I mean, themes of friendship and perseverance and love of nature and, you know, all of those types of things. So it was an exciting project. Um, not many people get to have two helicopters to go flying around and, and uh, go fly fishing or give a different definition to fly fishing. But That's uh, cool. yeah, it was really, really fun. Yeah. I hope we get to do more. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the fishing part first. I have a lot of questions just from that. Um, so what is it that you love about fishing? Well, my, my uh, grandfather, you know, he's passed on now, but he was from Eastern Europe. And um, when he moved over here, he first he, he stopped, um, my grandmother and grandfather stopped in Belgium on their way from Eastern Europe or displaced persons there. And uh, they, they literally bought a boat ticket to go to England and they missed the boat. They literally missed the boat. Oh, no and way. the next the next boat leaving was coming to Canada. And my grandfather, um, you know, they, they uh, ended up in Sudbury and then he traveled west all the way to British Columbia and then backtracked to Alberta. And they ended up putting their roots down here. And um, in those early days, a part of the way that he fed the family, I mean, they were very poor, um, is, is he would go fishing at the Bow River and he'd stock the freezer. And, and that was kind of part of, of um, growing up for me is just understanding that not only did my grandfather love to fish, but this was survival for him. Um, in those early days. And so there was a love that developed from that. I have an uncle, a crazy redneck uncle who talks way too fast and just loves the outdoors, who really taught me the passion for fly fishing. And me and my uncle and my dad had a lot of just great times when I was a kid. So it just was a part of our life. And, and it's kind of grown, you know, grown from there. Um, you do keep bringing up stories of perseverance, hey? I don't know if you noticed that. Like you talk about your grandfather, perseverance there. Um and so where does that come from for you as we look in the mirror every day and we say, you know, wow, you know, how did I do today? We often can look and find the stories that we share are, are stories that we're going through. For example, I see in you what I fail to see in myself is a phrase that has really landed with me. It stays with me like, oh man, like never before. So every time I see that, it always makes me wonder. So perseverance for you. I mean, a guy who chased his singing career, that's not easy. I could see that that's probably a big part of it, but clearly overcoming perseverance, those are the words that you said. So where, where, where's that as in Paul's yeah. look in the mirror? Yeah. It's, I mean, I think that it's about um, perspective. It's about showing up. It's about um, understanding or, or accepting and, and, you know, everyone's on a different journey with this and a different part of this spectrum, I think. But for me, it's about um, understanding that in this world, I'm going to have trouble. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be there are going to be things that we're going to run into every single day. And I can either I can either choose to look at them as, um, you know, in, insurmountable obstacles or, or I can look at them as uh, something that I, you know, I have to see as a challenge. And, and I think that's part of the creative mind, too. You know, you don't get stuck and stopped um, if, um, if you see something as potentially a possibility. Um, even if it's not what you planned, maybe you can bounce off it and go in another direction. And that's been a huge part of, um, you know, my uh, life story and my career. And I started as a registered nurse at the Alberta Children's Hospital with dreams and plans of eventually uh, maybe even going to med school, working with kids, doing flight nursing and STARS Air Ambulance. That was my direction. And, um, you know, I, I went to Mount Royal, I was doing the courses that I needed to start working in ICU. And I literally got a job offer, my dream job offer in ICU and a record deal offer in the same week. Wow. And it's, and it's like those two worlds collided and it's like, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I'll bounce off and try this. Right. And, and so that's been a bit of, it's not that you don't have a direction. I, I guess the direction becomes informed by the way that you react to the things that are thrown in front of you. And, uh, and I'm inspired by that idea. I just love that idea. Well, and it is interesting when you say it that way, Paul, because when you look at perseverance, not as in hindsight necessarily as some story that we say, but perseverance as I'm willing to do what it takes today because there are going to be breakdowns, um, it, it really becomes an empowering way to say it. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say it the way that you've said it before. So that's very enlightening for me. Yeah, and in, in some ways, I think that it's, um, it, it's also giving yourself permission to be human in all of it. Um, you know, we're living in this race car paced world, you know, maybe faster, maybe rocket paced world. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, 
camel paced bodies, <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> it's and true. I, you know, and I think sometimes it's like, you know, we're moving so quick and things are changing so fast. We have to give ourselves the permission to when we're faced with adversity, go, man, I, you know, like you were hearing today, I need that, that mental health minute to try and figure out how to deal with this in a healthy way and giving ourselves permission to feel those things is, is a part of overcoming in some ways. Mm-hmm. So the story about your grandfather when do we get to write a song about missed the boat and what could have been <laughs> or yeah, all because you missed a boat? I mean, I want to hear that song. I, I love, I love looking back, you know, at, uh, you know, I, I, thinking about perseverance and risk taking, right. You know, that's another piece of this whole thing. There were times where I was kind of ashamed of my, um, uh, you know, of, of my roots when it came to my grandparents, because they came here to Calgary and they didn't really ever learn the language. They had spoke broken English. They didn't get a car. You know, they worked as janitors um, in the big office buildings in downtown Calgary. And, and, you know, they did well for themselves. They worked really hard, but, but they, um, you know, they didn't really integrate. They didn't jump in and, and, and really, like, you know, take it to the next level. At least that's how I saw it for a long time. And, uh, and then I started to really think about, like, just contextually where they were coming from. When my grandfather left home when he was 14 years old during World War II, wow. and he never saw his father again. Um, and, and he met my grandmother after, um, after a couple of years of traveling through Eastern Europe during wartime, um, he had been engaged to a woman who was killed in a bombing raid. And after that, he met my grandmother. They had children in Belgium while he was working in a coal mine. And then he got on a boat to nowhere and ended up here in Canada. And then I started to realize, wait a minute, he took way more risks than I ever did when you really put it in context. Yeah. You know, and, and so the fact that he didn't, you know, maybe achieve that next level, well, he really actually did. I mean, he came from some village in Eastern Europe and he had moved to a country where he didn't speak the language, you know. Yeah. So I, I get, you know, I get really inspired by that, those kind of concepts and ideas now. So maybe there is, you know, maybe there is a song about it somewhere. I don't know. Well, I would say that he achieved the next level again and again and again, it seems, yeah. from the yeah. way you tell the story. Okay, so be. I'm writing that down too. So the next level would be the... Uh, <laughs> Would be the next idea. Um, well, you you say that, and I find that somewhat ironic. It's very interesting, by the way. I would love to sit down and just hear stories about your grandfather. Um, you say that, and that probably sounds ironic to everyone who listens to this, because Paul Brandt, Paul Brandt seems to know belong, right? I mean, Paul Brandt is identifiable Canadian. And I mean, you have a song. Wasn't you have a song, Canadian Man, or something like that? Like, you sure. actually have that, right? So... You know, being a Canadian, the I belong Canada, the I belong Alberta, the I belong country. I mean, it seems ironic to me that that you tell stories about a man who, from a perspective of where did he belong, and yet he seemed to, he found it, even though we didn't understand it, and here you are so incredibly cemented in, in where you are. I think that's, it's such neat contrast. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, one of the things that I, I probably learned from his approach and, and one of the approaches that I try and take even as a songwriter, as an artist, you know, you've heard of, of how important it is, you know, for artists to reinvent themselves all the time. And a part of that process of reinventing yourself, you know, even if Paul Brandt's wearing a hat, the subject matter or the sound has to change. The story has to keep people interested in some way. And I, I think that um, what I, I learned from watching my grandparents and the way that they did what they did is they were true to themselves, but they, they also found a way to make things relevant. And I think that's a part of, of, of what I'm, I'm trying to do, you know, in, in the work that I do now and the opportunity that's been afforded to me because of their perseverance and risk taking is you use your music and you use your platform to try and engage people in a way that um, is relevant to them, fitting into the culture in a way where you kind of speak in a language. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, you know, that's, that's definitely been, you know, an approach and, and, you know, I, I think that it's very intentional. You know, it, it's not about compromising your message as much as it, as it is trying to figure out ways to fit in so that you can be a part of the dialogue and share your view. And, uh, and that's something that I'm, I'm very intentional about in, in, uh, in the messaging that I do, whether it's through our work with Not In My City or through our foundation or, or with, uh, you, know, the, um, you know, the work that I do creatively, um, you know, as a musician. It's about trying to figure out a way to make that human connection so that I can share messages with people. And that's a complicated process. Like that mm-hmm. requires relational currency and trust and 
and civility and all of that kind of stuff too. And, and uh, I'm, I'm really passionate about topics like that. Uh, me too. Thank you. Um, and yet you do it. Uh, like you said, I like that sort of the consistent of a, you know, the black cowboy hat, right? It does make sense that, you know, what changes inside the head underneath the hat adjusts through time, but there are these reliable um, pillars, if you will. And, and that's where you're at, man. You've become a pillar in Canada. And I think that's in- incredibly cool to, to look at, to look at it all that way. So for everybody else, the beauty of the pursuit is uh, available on the YouTube channel. Let's Google uh, Paul Brandt's YouTube channel. It's probably the best way to connect with all of it, is it? Yeah, uh, I think if you, you go to, it's Paul Brandt TV um, or any of our social media. Um, you know, we're at, uh, on Instagram, it's I'm Alberta Bound. Um, hardy har har. I'm Alberta Bound. And, uh, and then Paul Brandt on, uh, on Twitter or uh, Paul Brandt Official. And, uh, and just, you know, again, I know there's veterans of social media out there listening right now, but please, if you're listening, Check for that little blue verified check mark. There's so much difficult stuff going on in social media with people impersonating others. So be careful about that. But yeah, check out Beauty of Pursuit. It was a it was a dream to get a chance to you know make this film, and I'm really proud of what we ended up with. It's a beautiful thing. You do great work, and I appreciate you sharing some time with us. Please let us know what's happening in the future with the world of Paul Brandt. Uh, especially if you're doing things like going fishing. We love that. Will do, Shane. Yeah, absolutely. I hope we get a chance to chat again soon. Okay, before we go, we talked about your grandpa. We talked about your grandma. Please tell me uh, your grandfather and grandmother's first names. Yeah, um, my, my grandfather was Anton, and my grandmother was Sonia. And their last name is Bello Brzezinski which was my last name. Um, my parents said, as I started winning talent contests, the Ukrainian cowboy is not going to fly on radio. And so we ended up picking the name Brandt, uh, keeping the same initials, but I'm very proud of that last name, Bella Brzezinski. And, uh, and Sonia and Anton are the reason that I'm here today. Well, then we look forward to the songs about Sonia and Anton. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, sir. Paul Brandt and Beauty of Pursuit. It's on the YouTube channel. You can watch it for free. It's about 10 minutes, documentary film. Fly fishing in Alberta. It's really cool. And here's the intro. There's a certain rhythm and vibrancy here. An energy all of its own. From its roots is a small cattle ranching town. A city now stands as a thriving metropolis. A cultural hub, brightly colored and forward-thinking. Yet ingrained in Calgary's identity is a connection to the past, into the prairies, into the towering peaks of the Rocky Mountains. The city uniquely situated on the threshold of both. And it's in these contrasts of landscapes, of culture, of the relationship between history and the future that I find myself completely consumed. For the explorer, the possibilities seem endless. From city to wilderness, it's unlike anywhere that I've ever been. It's the Shift Podcast. Blaine Kylo joins us now for the technological world. And Blaine, I owe you an apology. Oh, why? Well, I sort of gave away your segment on Sunday night to Andrew Ferreira. He does weird science, and I called it technological world, and everybody was confused. And I just feel like I got to apologize to you, brother, because somehow I screwed that up. Well, nobody can do the technology the way I can, so I, I take no offense to that. Take no offense. He does science, weird science, even to boot. So That's we're super all good cool. there. All I right. couldn't, I couldn't touch that. So I'll leave that to him. He talks about planets and space rocks. Space rocks are always fun for him. All right, Blaine Kylo. We have a lot to get through here on the technological world. There's so much that's shaken down. Um, 
where do you really want to get started here? Because there is, is so much that we can dig into. Is it really uh, Facebook and Donald Trump? Do you want to get into that piece right think, away or how do you want to go? No, I think we need to start there because it's the big story of the day. Um, right. The Oversight Board, which is a glorified um, corporate uh, review board, right? This is this is a group that Facebook actually put together. The whole idea is, well, if we put in our own oversight board to sort of help us make decisions about things that are controversial, maybe the government won't feel the need to come in and force us to do anything. So this was Facebook's attempt to try and circumvent any government intervention later. But it's a board that's put together by Facebook and is paid by Facebook. And so everybody was really kind of, what kind of really, how, how much power do they really have? And are they really going to go against what Zuckerberg wants? Well, they kind of surprised everybody today because in fact, the oversight board has upheld the ban of Donald Trump, which is something that hmm. Facebook put into place after the January 6th insurrection in the U S Capitol. Um, but the oversight board did a couple of other things that kind of really showed that maybe they're not just in the pocket of Facebook. Number one, they said Facebook was right to ban Trump, but they weren't, it wasn't cool that they kind of avoided the responsibility of making a decision based on policy because there is no policy for this. Facebook has always kind of avoided having to make a policy about this. So the oversight board said, you have to come up with a policy because you can't just make decisions on a whim. So within six months, we expect Facebook to come up with a policy and make a decision themselves about whether or not Trump should have a longer lasting or even a permanent ban from the platform. The other thing that they did is they said, um, one of the things that, that all of these platforms have been doing is saying, well, world leaders and politicians, they should have a little more leeway to maybe say and do things that the average person can't do. And the oversight board actually went the exact opposite direction. And they took the opinion that, and I'm going to quote here, what is important is the degree of influence that a user has over other users. So the oversight board is actually saying that people like Trump should be held to a higher standard when it comes to the things that they're posting on these platforms because they have influence over others. And as such, policies should be written in fa at Facebook anyway um, to take that into account. Is it working, yes or no? Is it potentially going to work, do you think? what the oversight boards yeah, the way they're the way, yeah the way they're going about these things i mean there's been an awful lot said about policy not policing or uh, facebook not policing anything is this a move in the right direction even if it works or doesn't work or will it work oh i think it's a move in the right direction certainly because we're talking about it um and, and what i'll be more interested in seeing is what facebook chooses to do are they gonna so far this this oversight board's really only been making decisions about things for since about january and so facebook so far has been taking the recommendations and actually doing the things that the oversight board has suggested what will really be the proof here is what they decide to do with trump now that the oversight board has said, no, no, you can't make us responsible for making this decision. You've got to come up with a policy and you've got to make the decision yourself. And here's some guidance on what that decision might be. Very cool. Okay. Um, that seems pretty clear. Let's move along to um, Amazon Echo Dot. May the 6th be with you. I had to throw this in here because, you know, we don't meet on <laughs> May the 4th, but, you know, retroactively may the 4th just a cool little thing if anybody's got an amazon echo dot this is the amazon smart speaker that's a sphere um otterbox has come up with a baby grogu stand a cradle for your echo dot so you seat the echo dot inside this little stand and it's like you've got a little baby grogu or yoda on your desk it's just it's the cutest thing 32 bucks the stand was made available for pre-order yesterday and it releases on June 10th. This is kind of genius when you think about it, because not only is there, of course, 
the Amazon Echo Dot, which is a ball. The other one being the Apple um, Small HomePod Mini is also a ball. And the thought that you could decorate your HomePod or Echo Dot with a little bit of character, I mean, this could be a whole new emerging market of the, the new version of the phone case. I think it absolutely is. And, you know, one of the first things that the smart speakers, when they first came out, the companies were all trying to design them so that they would fit into your sort of hip urban decor. And I think that this is an indication that it can also go the other direction and they can become kitschy and fanny and all kinds of fun. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. That's for sure. Uh, it kind of makes you curious. How do you, how do you get in on it? How do you license something that do you need to license something that is the exact same size, but if you want to use fits, your Echo Dot or whatever, you have to pay the licensing to do that. So I'll be curious to see where that goes in this whole buy it online marketplace. We were speaking. Well, there's mon- there's uh, money we, to be made, that's for sure. That's for sure. When we were speaking before your segment, Blaine, we talked about laptops really haven't changed a whole lot, at least in sort of the PC world. They've fundamentally been the same. Apple's tried a couple of things with the touch scrolly bars, and some of those things didn't stick around. But there is some excitement here that maybe there is a little change on the horizon. Yeah, MSI has got a new series of business laptops they call the Summit Series. And they're really where laptops are going, especially business laptops. They're going thin and light, and they're also going convertible. So the hinge in the laptop so that you can turn it into a tablet, or you can actually have it bent so that it stands up on itself and it can become almost like an easel. Um, the E13 Flip Evo is the one that's available now. It's 2100 bucks, pretty good price for a solid um, business laptop. It's got a touchscreen on it, um, a 16 by 10 screen as opposed to the 16 by 9 widescreen that we've all become used to. And one of the things that MSI said is they they chose this ratio because it matches the golden ratio that is so um, beautiful to designers and to artists, this golden spiral. Um, and so that's why the 16 by 10 screen, what it amounts to practically is you get a little bit more real estate for your business applications if you're working on a spreadsheet or something like that. What's also cool is the Evo comes with an MSI pen, which is a stylus, but it's an all metal stylus. It kind of looks like a fountain pen and you can use it as a stylus or you can use it as a presentation remote. It's kind of got dual functionality, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's fun. And it attaches to the side of the computer with magnets. So if you're not using it, you can kind of clip it to the side of the computer and you don't have to worry about it rolling away on you. Uh, have you ever used one of those pens? I've never actually used one. I'm not so, I don't, I always thought it was just for artsy people who wanted to draw. I've never really used one. No, I'm so I'm so used to using my fingers when I'm on a tablet and a keyboard when I'm not on a tablet or if I'm on a tablet doing writing, I would use a keyboard. But my daughter uses a stylus on her oh. iPad Pro and she draws with it and she has become it's amazing actually what she can do with the pressure sensitivities on the Apple Pencil. Um, and the iPad Pro, she can do amazing drawings with colors and shadings, and she uses the pressure sensitivity and changes out nibs for things. It's really quite impressive. Interesting. Interesting stuff. I know that when I had um, uh, Samsung with a, the, the Note, it had a little stylus. I could never really get used to it. It must be an, a, an acquired thing. Apple, though, speaking of uh, talking about the iPads and whatnot, video games and workouts have changed secretly, quietly, under the radar. Yeah, We've been talking a lot about Apple lately, and one of the could because they've been releasing all these new things. But a few months ago, Apple quietly improved these two services. So the Apple Arcade and Apple Fitness Plus are two of the services that you can either subscribe to independently, or if you want, you can get an Apple One plan, which kind of bundles your music and your Apple TV plus and your arcade and your fitness you can get a bundle that puts all of these things together and you can share them with up to five family members so you know for 35 bucks a month you get fitness classes from some pretty significant people all the music you want all the tv and all of this kind of stuff pretty good deal 
But what they've also done is expanded and improved what these services do. So Apple Arcade now includes two new categories of games. Um, timeless classics is what they're calling things. So this is like your backgammon, your Sudoku, your solitaire, your crossword. All of those games are now available through the Apple Arcade. And they've also got what they're calling App Store Greats. So these are some of the games that were originally released on the App Store as independent um, games by the developers and the studios themselves. Things like Fruit Ninja, Threes, My Favorite Monument Valley, which is an amazing puzzle game that really plays with dimensions. And those games are now available on um, Apple Arcade in addition to some new original games that have been released like NBA 2K1 for the arcade edition for the iPhone, iPad. Star Trek Legends is now available on your iPhone. And they've rebuilt the Oregon Trail. They've reimagined that so that it's not quite as racist when it comes to the Native and Indigenous people. All right, next on the list, we have, uh, well, let's get the clip first for uh, Returnal. Astra, is anyone listening? It's Celine. I've crashed on Atropos. Suit status operational, but my sidearm is missing. Heading towards White Shadow Broadcast. All right, well, tell us about it. Well, that's the setup for a new game exclusive to the PlayStation 5. It's called Returnal. It comes from Housemark. It's a small independent studio in Finland. And it is incredibly frustrating. It is also incredibly compelling. It's a roguelite. And so it's a game where you're going to die a lot. The whole idea behind the game is as you play through, you're learning how the game works. You're learning the systems and the maps and slowly improving how you play, but also elements about your character. And every time you die, you go back to the beginning and you'd go again and you try again and you try again. This is the frustrating part of Returnal. What's compelling about it is the story that was hinted at there. You're a scout that's crash landed on this planet and as you make your way through these various environments, these biomes, you're discovering what's happened on the planet itself, but you're also discovering the sort of hidden life of the scout that you're playing, this character um, who, Celine, who has landed on this planet. Now, it's not going to be a game for everybody because roguelites are very particular. And if you don't like dying, if you don't like that kind of frustration, you should stay away from this game. You should also stay away from it for at least another couple of days because the developer has had problems with the save system. And in fact, a patch that they released today seems to be making people's saves disappear. And so oh. if you've got Returnal, hang on to it for a little bit. Don't get too involved because that will get fixed. It's just not fixed yet. But the saving thing is probably the biggest frustration because to be able to have a successful run where you complete the whole game, it's probably four or five hours to be able to do that. But you can't save your progress in this game. There's no way for you to pause. And so if you sit down to play and you're having a good run, you're doing well, you can't stop unless you're going to let the PlayStation's pause system um pause the game for you, but then you're running the risk of that not working. You can't play any other games. And if the machine turns off, you can learn, lose that save. And so there's lots of clamor out there from players asking for a save system so that people like me who can't play more than an hour or two at a time don't have to lose everything. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.